KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota Dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Good morning, I'm Debbie Cruz. It's Thursday, December 1st. The impact of frequent moves on military children with disabilities. More on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. A federal judge in Texas wants to move forward on a case that could end DACA. The Obama-era program gives some undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. as children temporary protection from deportation and a work permit. Judge Andrew Hainan of Texas ruled DACA was illegally created and the case moved to an appeals court earlier this year. That court sided with the judge, but kicked the case back to his courtroom to consider a new DACA rule put in place by the Biden administration. Now the judge is asking attorneys to come up with a schedule for new arguments by the middle of this month. The new Biden rule was meant to strengthen DACA from legal scrutiny. Advocates argue that the only way to truly safeguard DACA and its recipients is through legislative action. Good news! Gas prices are the lowest they've been since the beginning of March. The average price of a gallon of regular gas in the county dropped to $4.97 a gallon yesterday. Although gas prices are dropping, they're still 31 cents more than this time last year. Last month, the county got more rain than usual. Now on the 1st of December, more rain is headed our way. The National Weather Service says it will arrive tonight, but it will be light. It's also going to get windy as the day goes on, with the highest gusts starting this evening. Temps are expected to be in the low 60s today and into the weekend. More light rain is expected this weekend. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. The U.S. Department of Education is asking local school systems to better meet the needs of military children, with disabilities. When service members move from base to base, they sometimes find it takes too long for their child's new school to begin providing special education services. Carson Frame reports for the American Homefront Project. On weekdays, Army wife Lawanda Jenkins turns the morning news on well before dawn. She glances up at it from time to time as she helps her eight-year-old daughter, Victoria, get ready for school. It's an exacting morning routine that's often interrupted by health scares. She might have a seizure like every other morning. Usually she'll have it maybe around like three-ish, but her standard wake-up time is about 5 a.m. in the morning because she requires a lot of work. Victoria suffers from two neurological conditions that make it hard for her to process information and lead to problems with body functioning. She's nonverbal and relies on a motorized wheelchair and assistive communication devices. Then I usually give her her medication. She usually takes four medications for seizures in the morning. When the family lived on post at Fort Sam Houston, Victoria's life at school was pretty stable. 
She attended the elementary school on base, and the teachers there understood her routines and quirks. But when the family had to move off base unexpectedly last year, Victoria transferred to another school system. It was a big learning curve for the teacher, even though the teacher was a special needs teacher. One of the days she started having a seizure and there was no nurse on site at the time. You know, they started panicking, calling me. To make matters worse, the school liaison at Fort Sam Houston, an Air Force employee who was supposed to help military families in situations like these, didn't. They put in no effort. It's like, we don't care. It's not our child. That's kind of how I felt. Advocates say military families with disabled children often face problems like these. When they move from place to place, their new district or state might not offer the same services as their old one. It's a very difficult system to navigate, particularly when you get down to the school district level. Jackie Nowicki, a researcher with the Government Accountability Office, has studied the programs the Defense Department offers to families with children in special education. She says the department is limited in what it can do to help, since it doesn't determine which accommodations children should get. That's mostly up to school districts and states. The way the law is designed, they're providing latitude in defining disability categories and setting eligibility criteria. That results in unevenness. Frequent moves add to the problem. Jennifer Barnhill is with Partners in Promise, a nonprofit organization that provides special education resources to military families. You know, it's not as though these experiences in the military community are different than the experiences of our civilian counterparts in special education. It's just that we experience them more frequently because of the highly mobile military lifestyle. Disabled children go through evaluations to determine the kinds of support they need. But when they move, their new districts often want to start that process from scratch. It takes, on average, 171 days for them to do new evaluations, according to a survey Partners in Promise did last year. So, for example, if a military student arrives in a new location and it takes them, as our survey data show, roughly 5.75 months to receive services, they are approximately a quarter of the way through a two-year tour of duty at that point. And if there's a dispute with the school district, it can take months or years to resolve. By that point, it's time to move again. The Department of Education recently sent a letter encouraging school districts to look at the complications of the military lifestyle and to offer disabled children the services that have historically worked for them. And last year's defense budget expanded legal assistance for military families who experience special education disputes. I'm Carson Frame in San Antonio. That story was produced by the American Homefront Project, a public media collaboration that reports on American military life and veterans. Funding comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting and the Bob Woodruff Foundation. This is the last week of classes at UCSD, and with academic workers still on strike, some students worry this could affect their grades. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado spoke with students and those on strike. Fourth-year student Kayla Guzman says she doesn't really know how her grades will be affected by the UC academic worker strike. It is kind of scary. It sucks that we're so late in the quarter and everything is up in the air. But, I mean, I'm just going to keep going to class and trying to do the best that I can. Uriyan Tandon, a computer lab researcher at UC San Diego, is among the 48,000 academic workers on strike across the UC system. I definitely understand the concern, but at the same time, me and a lot of my colleagues 
are basically living in poverty. And uh, the university at any point has the ability to end that. The UC reached a tentative agreement with 12,000 of the 48,000 workers on strike and say negotiations are ongoing with the rest of the units. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. The volcanic eruption in Hawaii has interrupted a key long-running scientific record of airborne carbon dioxide. Here's KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson with the details. Lava flows from one of the world's largest volcanoes have cut off access to the research observatory that's recorded carbon dioxide levels in the air for 60 years. Those measurements record steadily rising CO2 levels, a scientific record widely known as the Keeling Curve. That record was started by Scripps Institution of Oceanography's Charles Keeling, who died in 2005, and is now maintained by his son, Ralph Keeling. The station isn't expected to be operating anytime soon. They still have to build a new, they have to let lava cool, they have to build a new road over it, they have to put new power power poles over it. Um, That's months in any case. Keeling says he's looking for a nearby location that's suitable to take measurements until the observatory is back online. Eric Anderson KPBS News. San Diego police are going to start enforcing the city's street vending law in some areas this weekend. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer tells us why and what's next. Since June, San Diego's had a law against street vending in high traffic areas, but the enforcement has been a mixed bag depending on where you are. The Gaslamp Quarter Association's Michael Trimble says there are still dozens of street vendors in that area, many with health and safety violations on their carts, and some have caught on fire. So the police got involved and will start issuing citations this weekend. And and enforcement means, you know, whether it be tickets, citations, or whatnot, it really depends on what the police feel is acceptable at the moment. Outside of the Gaslamp, enforcement will soon include the beaches and other coastal areas. Once an amended version of the vendor law takes effect sometime early next year. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Coming up, the city of San Diego's electric street sweeper officially has a new name. We'll have that and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. A school in one of the smallest districts in the county is leading the state in the effort to advance TK, or Transitional Kindergarten. KPBS education reporter M.G. Perez explains. 
The Creekside Early Learning Center in the Alpine Union School District is the only campus in San Diego County just for TK and kindergarten students. The center has been accepting four-year-old children into their preschool program for 20 years, putting it well ahead of the new California transitional kindergarten law that will take until 2026 to roll out. Wendy Ray is a teacher who's been there from the beginning. We are not uh the type that jumps on the bandwagon. We kind of create the bandwagon and everybody else jumps on board with us. So we've always been trendsetters. By next year, the Creekside campus will be ready to offer TK classes to three-year-old children whose fourth birthday happens by September 1st. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. The next test for the U.S. men's national soccer team comes Saturday. The team faces the Netherlands in a knockout match. Jill Ellis is the team president of San Diego Wave FC and the former coach of the U.S. women's soccer team. She spoke with KPBS's Jade Heidman about the next step in the World Cup tournament. As a former World Cup coach, I mean, how hard can it be to get the team focused on the next game after such an emotional win like that? But, you know, I think this team, I think just the U.S. attitude in general, it's like there's work to be done. You know, I know with our players, uh, with the women's team, it was like, OK, but there's uh, there's now another goal. And they had to win to advance. And that's what the knockout rounds are as well. So I think in certain elements, this match prepared them now for suddenly being in a you know, win or go home scenario. You know, the fans are a big part of the World Cup experience, and that extends to San Diego. Last weekend, the Rady Shell was packed with fans cheering on the U.S. team against England. On top of that, your current team, San Diego Wave FC, broke attendance records in its first season. Why do you think soccer really uh, continues to grow in popularity here? Well, I think, it, you know, for historically, there's been so much talent in Southern California, in the San Diego area. So I think we have a history of developing players in this region. Um, you know, we've had uh, a women's professional team here in the past. So there is tradition and history here. But I think now what we're finding is, you know, fans are, you know, just really enjoying the game. You know, San Diego is is a town that likes to get behind uh, winners and likes to get behind sports. And so I think it's, you know, it's a natural fit. And can you give us an update on what is happening with the Wave FC as it prepares for its second season next spring? We have a draft coming up in January. Obviously, trying to secure players is, is part of building, rebuilding the team for, for next year. We had a fantastic year. Um, and they'll be joining us shortly. And, and I think the end of January is when the players report back in for, for preseason. And in that short time, we're also trying to continue to grow our own footprint and uh, build our fan base here. You know, FIFA announced an all-female refereeing team will be officiating its first men's World Cup match on Thursday. What's your reaction to that? I think it's brilliant. Uh, I actually know uh, the referee that will be in the middle. I saw her actually out in Qatar and wished her all the very best. I, th I think it's great. I mean, I think, you know, talent is talent. And, you know, physically, the, the women, the, you know, they're well, well tested to, to be able to keep up with the demands of the game. And I think it's, I think it's a tremendous statement. I think it's brilliant. And we've heard a lot about how young this U.S. men's team is. What challenges and opportunities does that bring to such a high-pressure atmosphere like the World Cup? 
Well, I think when you when you build a team for that stage, you certainly want that that combination. You want some experience, and they have that. They have some uh, some older players. Um, Tim Ream in the back is you know thirty something years old, so you want that balance. There's a kind of just an attitude of they, they don't really know any better in terms of pressure, and and so they're going into this many of them, most of them for their first World Cup. And finally, uh, what do you think the U.S. team needs to focus on to beat the Netherlands this weekend? You know, I think the focus has to be on the on the attitude that is in the DNA of the U.S. players, which is we, we've got to go after this game. We can't, you know, sit uh, and be passive. We want to be on our front foot. We're a team that likes to live in transition. So I think the focus has to be play to our identity, play to our strengths, um, and having a really optimistic attitude and, and desire in this game. That was San Diego Wave FC team president Jill Ellis speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Heidman. The city of San Diego's electric street sweeper officially has a name, and it's, drumroll please, Sweep E. Last month, the city asked you to vote on your favorite name out of the top three contenders. Sweep E came in first with more than 43% of the votes. Tess came in as close second, and the Blue Broomba trailed behind in third place. Sweepy also got an ocean-themed makeover to showcase how street sweeping helps prevent ocean pollution, improves water quality, and protects marine wildlife. That's a big job, Sweepy. Best of luck out on the road. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Debbie Cruz. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu.